Good morning, Brookside. Every time I watch that video, I cry like a baby, slobbering all over myself. If uh, any of you guys are f Facebook friends with me, you saw my video uh, last week after 20 years of being in the judicial system in Omaha, Nebraska, I finally got off parole. And uh, so, yeah, so I used to be a pastor on parole, so that's no longer my claim to fame. <laughs> Happy Daddy's Day. Look, look at your neighbor and say, not if she's a woman, okay? <laughs> but if you're a woman and you look at the guy, just look at him and maybe, he, maybe he's your sp spouse, uh, hopefully he's your spouse. Say, say Happy Father's Day to him. Just turn to your neighbor, your neighbor, your spouse, and just, if you don't have a spouse, look around and find a spouse. Not really find a spouse, but look at a spouse and, and just say, Happy Father's Day. Uh, such a privilege. I was over there thinking, you know, if you can't, couldn't tell, I'm, I'm black. Um, <laughs> you couldn't tell. But I was sitting there thinking, you know, there's a big difference between a black dad and a white dad. Let me say that again. There's, some of you are like, really? There's a big difference. See, a white dad will go to the DR in the middle of the night with an iPhone and will get on his knees like this and look a tarantula in the face and play tag with it. But a black dad number one, would never go in the middle of nowhere uh, in the DR and uh, put his hand down and uh, play hide-and-go-seek with a tarantula. So uh, that's the big, that's the diversity one-on-one this morning, uh, <laughs> the difference between black dads and white dads, uh, but they both matter, amen? <laughs> they both matter. We've been on a series here um, called Things to Fight For. And in a country where America is fastly becoming known for what we're against, I love that this church is saying this is what we're fighting for. And I'm tasked today with continuing this idea of things to fight for. And I thought it was fitting today that I get on Father's Day, thank you Jesus, on Father's Day, I get to talk about things to fight for specifically when it comes to fatherhood. Did you know that there is an all-out assault on dads? That assault happened thousands of years ago in a place called the Garden of Eve. Man has been fighting for his life ever since. And yet today, God wants to remind us that he's not done with you as a dad. And he wants to remind us that we ought not be finished being dads to our sons and daughters. And that the same children that we're raising is the same children that God wants to use. But it's contingent on our ability to work with God to fight for them. And as God is fighting for you, our kids are worth fighting for. In fact, I want to share with you 
three statements that will shape the next generation, the people, the kids that are coming up. And you might say, man, I don't have, a, I don't have kids. Guess what? The book of James says that pure and undefiled religion is that we take care of orphans and widows. So that at, at some level we're called to, to be fathers. And if you came today and you're not a male, uh, you're not off the hook from listening to me. <laughs> because principles are always transferable. But I want to take us to the scripture and show us how God or what God thinks about fighting in the context of shaping the next generation by the words that we say. Matthew chapter 3. Now, by the way, I know something about fighting. In fact, when I was uh, 12 years old, I got into a fight with a guy named Robert. Anybody ever been into a fight with a guy named Robert? Robert's in here like, why did you do that? Robert would, you know, we, we always get into a fight. And he would hit me. Uh, one, one time I was on my way to school, and he would hit me, and uh, I, I would fall down to the ground. Men, have you ever felt like you were in a fight like that where you didn't know if you were going to recover? And so because, you know, I ain't no punk, I got back up. And he knocked me right back down. And as I look back on that, I kept getting up. And God wants to show us how we ought to keep getting up. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It's a famous passage of scripture about baptism. And Jesus being baptized, and it says this, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. He's like, okay, if you insist. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. I love that. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a, and a voice from heaven said, I love this, this is my son. This is my son. Do you have a dad like that? You can't go anywhere without him bragging on you. Okay, maybe I'm, I'm alone. So, uh, He's like, this is my, everybody is, everybody's watching. It's like a Brookside church service, you know. And he says, this is my son who I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is daddy God, man. How would you like to have God for a dad? This is daddy God. This is the father. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the one who came to Mary and sent a message uh, through Gabriel and said, hey, listen up, Mary. I'm favoring you because what you're going to do is going to be incredible, and I'm going, and I'm going to use you to birth Jesus, the son of God, my son. 
He's going to be called the son of God. And here Jesus is right here fulfilling all righteousness. And then for the first time that we see in history when it comes to the coming of Jesus, we see God speaking from heaven. Pay attention when Father God starts speaking because it it is very, 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 very important. Jesus hadn't done any ministry. He hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He hadn't, start, he hadn't done any block parties. And all of a sudden, the father is saying, this is my son. I love him. And in him, I'm well pleased. I don't know about you, but those words shaped the life of Jesus. And I believe that's today. God wants to shape your life so that you can shape the life or the lives of those who you father. And in a world that is so toxic and in a world that is so cancerous and in a world where we don't get the affirmation and the words that we need as men and women spoken over us, potentially it could be devastating. And for some of us like myself, it has been. Not having a dad. In fact, I'm so thankful that by virtue of God healing me, I'm able to have a relationship with my dad today. That is amazing. But Father God says, this is my son. And so the first statement that I think is important that's going to shape the next generation and actually has the potential to shape you as a dad and shape us as people is this word that God says, this is my son. In other words, he's saying, you belong to me. You belong to me. I was, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife is a white lady. I'm a black guy. You imagine the fights we have. You know, funny, funny, funny story. I was going to Grace University, and my wife said uh, she she likes to cook or bake, cook and bake. It depends. And and uh, she said, "Can I? Do you like fried chicken?" And I'm thinking, "Oh, you think all black people like fried chicken, huh?" <laughs> do you like Do you like fried chicken, girl? I like fried chicken. I'm paleo now, but back then I like I liked fried chicken. And uh, she said, uh, she said, okay, I'll cook, you from, I'll cook you some fried chicken. I said, girl. So she cooks me the fried chicken, and I come to eat the fried chicken, right? And, and she, she presents the fried chicken. And I looked at her uh, like she lost her mind because uh, I said, that's not fried chicken. You can't use bacon shake uh, to, as a, for, f- to make fried chicken. You got to do it like my mama do it. So side story. Anyway. So if you're going to cook fried chicken, use the right stuff. You got to get you some flour and some pepper and some salt, and you got to season that joint, and it got to be great. And then, yeah, so praise God. (laughs) But this is my son. He's telling everybody. He's like, um, anybody watch um, uh, Channel 7 News? Okay, nobody. Your news is Facebook. Okay, great. So, so you're, uh, if you're ever on Facebook and you're, you're doing like this and you can't go to sleep and you're just, you know, Instagram and Snapchat and Marco Polo, everybody's like, I don't use any of that, Pastor Myron. Okay, the World Herald. 
God is heralding. He is speaking out. He is putting his Facebook status up. He is tweeting. He is Snapchatting the situation right here. And he's saying, hey, listen, this one right here belongs. And that's exactly what the Father is doing to you right now. He's saying, listen, you belong to me. Do you know how shaping that is to know that you belong? Fundamentally, every single one of us have a, a need, a core longing to belong to something. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, if we're getting the wrong message from the wrong people in the wrong circle, we can consequently belong to something that ends up toxic. And Father God has to make sure that Jesus the man and Jesus as God, but he, he sent Jesus, you have to know one thing, you belong to me. It's the temptation that Adam fell into, the temptation to belong to an enemy who ultimately wanted Adam to commit treason. And God is making sure Jesus knew emphatically, you're my kid and you belong to me. And I've belonged to so many different things. You know, nowadays we belong to stuff. You're like, you know, you belong to the Genesis Health Club, and even though I don't go all the time, you know. Or, you know, belong to this, belong to that. I'm growing up at the age of 16, and I'm, I'm belonging to a gang because I'm trying to find my identity. See, what, what Father God is saying is, you're my son, and as my son, you belong to me. So, that, so this is what that means. If I don't understand that I'm his kid, I'll always find myself belonging to things that don't reflect him as my dad. And we've all, we've all at some point in time been there. And this morning, Father God is saying, hey, dads, you belong to me. And I know the temptation to not feel like you belong when you don't feel qualified. So that's why God uh, says it before Jesus ever does something. Because he doesn't want Jesus to get, it, get, get a misunderstanding about who he is. And dads, this morning, I want to tell you, you're God's kid. And Romans chapter 8 says that there is nothing that could ever separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that is just good preaching this morning. That you belong to me. In fact, when I was, a lot of things happened when I was 16. But when I was 16, um, my dad and I never had a relationship. So I consequently was very, very angry, very hurt, rejected. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt rejected or didn't feel like, like you were visible? And just in case you might say, man, I, I, I don't know if I can relate to not having a dad. I had a dad, but I've talked to countless people who had a dad, but dad wasn't present. And it's as equally impactful. But I'm on the phone with my dad and we're arguing about something. And back then I had a potty mouth. I've gotten a little bit better. Well, I said some Jerry Springer words to him. And I said, do not my dad. We say things when we're angry. 
And he said, Jerry Springer, you're not my son. Words matter. Those words drew me further from feeling like I belong. And friends, there are times and occasions where we receive messages that are designed to draw us further from our dad, further from God. And so Father God has to make it very simple and very plain to Jesus that you are my son and you belong to me. And if we don't settle that at, it, at its extreme, that I belong to God, then, th- then when things occur and when situations happen and when things go awry, then we don't have a, a solid foundation. Jesus needed to know that God was his father when he was in pain. Jesus needed to know when God was, when he was on the cross or when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus needed to know. You're still my kid. And dads, this morning, you need to know you're still his kid. Because he loves you. Father God says, this is my son. You belong to me. And Father God's words shaped the way that Jesus would go. See, that's the great responsibility that we have as dads. We get to shape the direction of the next generation. What a, what a great responsibility. What a great responsibility. I'm tasked as an inner city pastor to not only shape the direction of my, my, my kids. I have, you know, six and under, you know, four of them, my, one of my Good mentors, Pastor Ty, said he would say, it's in the water, you know. Six, four, three, nine months. She can't keep her hands off me, man. <laughs> but I'm tasked with the responsibility of, 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 of sending my sons. The lady back there is like, he is crazy. <laughs> I'm tasked with the responsibility of speaking life over my boys so that they know that they belong. Because I'm telling you. Folks, friends, family, whatever you want to call us, just don't call us barely Facebook friends. But like, you just need to know that we are in a generation, we are in a world that is so stinking corrupt. And if we're not careful, someone will be giving our kids a message. And I'd rather they get their message from their dad. And I'm in such a good sweet spot because all the messages I got when I was growing up was, you don't matter. You're, you're going to be just like your dad. He's gonna be your, you're going to be a nobody. You're going to spend the rest of your life in prison. I had, a, I had a family member tell me this to my face. Homegirl told me to my face. She said, you're going to be just like your daddy. Has anybody ever told you something like that? You're going to be just like or you're never going to amount to this. Uh, And dads, uh, if no one has ever told you that, I think a lot of times because we bear so much responsibility, we end up telling ourselves that. 
and yet Father God is reminding us as he spoke to his son, he's speaking to you as his son. You belong to me. The second thing he said is, I love you. This is my son whom I love. You are loved by me is the message that Father God was sending. You're loved by me. The thing that, that is so hard for me in my situation is that when you grow up without receiving love, it's hard to actually receive love. You know, in my context, if you, you know, if you, 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 say, you say you really love me, right, and, and you give me a gift, I'm like, what you up to? You know, you think you got a motive. There's no motive behind God's love other than him being love himself. My son Jericho, he's six years old, and uh, he tells me 30 times a day at least, Daddy, I love you. I'm like, boy, you just told me that three, three, three minutes ago. We'd be in a car, in a, uh, in a you, know, you know, when you get the four kids, you, you promote, it's a promotion to, to a van. <laughs> you officially become a soccer mom, right? And we riding, he, in the, he way in the back, listening to his Bible on, a, you know, <laughs> on his MP3 player. You remember those? <laughs> he says, mommy, daddy. I love you. And I almost sometimes would get on my nerves. It's like, did this kid really love me or is he trying to get something out of me? But God reminded me. Myron, I'm trying to send a message to you through your son. Because him as your son saying he loves you is so pure because you know he can't do anything for you. In other words, his love is so pure that I had to give you this message. Myron, you're not getting it from the pastors in your life. Myron, you're not getting it from the leaders in your life. Myron, you're not getting it from your counseling sessions. Myron, I need to, I need to send you a message. Psalm chapter 8, out of the mouth of babes. Daddy, I love you. And all of a sudden it hit me. He can love me no more or his understanding of love is directly related to how he understands how much I love him. So, so friends, what I'm getting at today is the more we see and understand how much God loves us, the more we can love others. And sometimes we have those love blockers in our life. You like football. Anybody like football? All the dads are like, yeah. You know, it's like you've been on a, I used to be a, I used to be a, a football player. I know I don't look like I could be a football player, but I used to be a football player and when I was 13, 12 and 13, and uh, I couldn't catch. Like when you're in the hood in the ghetto, black people are supposed to catch the ball. It's just, it's like, 
I wasn't really black. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, 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 the, the coach said, the coach said, uh, Pierce, I, I'm just going to put you on the defensive line because, you know, I had an attitude. So he would put me on the, on, the defensive, on, the, on the defensive line, and then I would just go after the quarterback. And then he's like, oh, this kid is great. So then he put me on the offensive line. I'm like, can you put me back at wide receiver? And I would be blocking at, at like one, I was 112 soaking wet. And I would be blocking. What am I getting at? There are things that is trying to block you from receiving dads, the love of God. And yet, God is saying, I love you. That's why I love any songs that says, that talks about love. There's a song that says, um, I'm loved by you. It's who you are. It's who you are. You're a good, good father. Anybody know that song? And I'm loved by you. I just got back from a conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was spending some time in prayer. And all of a sudden, I just, I felt the love of God, man. Did you know the love of God can be felt? Did you know that this book isn't just ink on a paper? This book is alive. This book is filled with, with it. Is, it is the greatest love letter ever written. Do you know how much you're loved? Do you know that God was willing to go to great lengths to bring you back to himself? He was willing to give up everything. He was willing to give up his very son himself, Dad, because he loves you. He loves you, man. He was willing to be born of a virgin. He was willing to, to, to lower his standards as God and grow up in a world that hated him. For you. He's making this public service announcement. I love you. And dads, we have to ask ourselves the question. You know, sometimes as dads, we get uncomfortable with the word love. You know, your wife say, I love you. You're like, yeah, let me see. I love you, babe. I love you. It's like, can you interpret that tongue for me? Because I don't understand that. When I was in prison, there's this guy. He's a gangbanger. And, uh. He just had a loud mouth. You have any friends like that in your life? Yeah, yes, okay, thank you. And some of my people from Mission are here. They're like, yeah, Pastor Martin, your mouth is loud. <laughs> They're clapping like, yeah, you're right. Um, but this guy, he always become, he get on my nerves. And, and, uh, and, and God, God spoke to my heart. He said, Myron, every time you see this young man, I want you to give him a hug. I'm like, no, no. I cussed. I ain't going to lie. I was a Christian and I cussed. I said, no. I ain't going to tell you the other word I said. First of all, hugging in prison always sends a message. <laughs> That's just the reality. Hugging in prison always sends a message, whether you like it or not. So me and God got into an argument. Have you ever been in an argument with God? Some of you are like, no. <laughs> I did. I said, no. Nah. You do it. <laughs> you want it done, you do it yourself. 
Myron, he needs to experience my love. Every time you see him, I want, I want you to give him a hug. So um, God won the argument that day. And the test came, and I seen him that day. I seen him later on that day. You can't miss him. You know, you're in prison. <laughs> can't get away from him. He come walking, loud mouth. I go kicking and screaming. Come here. I give him a hug. I felt so weird. <laughs> He's looking at me. I'm hugging him like this. He's looking at me like this. His hands is like this. Chest to chest. People are watching me. Psst, psst, psst. Oh, this is embarrassing. My reputation is going down. And then I hugged him and I just walked off. I didn't say anything to him. I just walked off, Pastor Jeff. Seen him later that day. Go hug him, Myra. No, 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 no. That was weird. That's why people don't like Christmas anyway, because you do weird stuff. Stop it. I go and hug him again. He look at me. What you doing, Myron? I have no idea. <laughs> but I kept hugging him. I kept hugging him. And all of a sudden, after a week, he come looking for me. He come, come here, Myron. And he give me a hug. See, God was trying to teach me. Not just how much he loved him, but how much he loved me. And maybe this morning, Dad, God is trying to teach you how much he loves you. The third thing Father said to him was, in him I am well pleased. In other words, you are significant to me. You are significant to me. Your life matters. That's what Jesus, that's what the Father was saying. Your life matters. You know, you know, like the sign, Black Lives Matter? Like God was saying, Jesus' lives matter. Your life matters. God is, God is putting a sign up over the, over the head of Jesus, and, and, and he's, he's putting a sign over your head, and he's saying, your life matters. But the problem with that is sometimes we don't believe it. The problem with God saying, your life matters, Myron, is sometimes I don't believe it. And, the, and the, the reason why I oftentimes don't believe it is because the experiences I've had. So if I have experiences that don't align with what I'm hearing from God, then oftentimes I will I will lean to my experience of not mattering at the expense of rejecting the truth that God really loves me and that I do matter. It's the difference between an experience and truth. 
And oftentimes what we experience becomes more powerful than what is true, men. And God wants to bridge the gap between our experiences and the lies we walk away from, that we, we, leave, we leave with. And he wants our experience and he wants to, uh, his truth to, to collide with our lives. So that we can truly walk away saying, you know what, I do matter. And oftentimes, men, dads, we don't feel like we've matter, we matter because of the things we've done. Maybe you're on your computer and you're looking at a porn site and you don't want to look at that. And you walk away and you, you, you leave that experience saying, I, I can't matter. I'm doing this. I, it's impossible. <laughs> No, man, it's not impossible. Or you might say over here, I just, I treat my wife horrible behind closed doors, but in the public, I look like a saint. I can't matter. Fill in the blank. And yet that blank is not big enough for Jesus to crush it with his word that you, my friend, are significant. You belong to me. You're loved by me. You're significant to me. Are three statements that have to shape us so that we can shape them. Men, can you stand to your feet in closing? I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this day called Father's Day. And Lord, I ask you that today men all over the auditorium can receive the truth that they belong. The truth that will set them free, that will set us free. The truth that you belong, the truth that you are loved, and the truth that you are significant. Lord, I pray that you would seal this moment. And if there are things that are blocking us, would you remove it by your grace? And may we live in utter freedom that you're continuing to shape us as we shape those who we get to father serve, and lead. In Jesus' name, amen.